Hey, podcast listeners, hope you're doing well, and I hope you are winning contracts. Before we get into today's episode, I want to take a minute to share something with you that's working for our clients. Our federal access knowledge base is helping companies win contracts every single day. I regularly get emails from members thanking us and saying things like, hey, I just won a $2 million contract. Many of you have seen a video that Chris Danback shot for us at GovCon. Chris won two contracts totaling $30 million. One of our members, Eyal, emailed me this morning and said, the turning point that opened my eyes was using federal access to establish a professional and systematic business development and RFP process. I've now won two contracts worth $480,000. Federal access is helping a lot of companies win. It can help you too. So here's the deal. I have a special offer for you. Visit federal-access.com forward slash game changers today and get started for just $29. You're going to get access to a digital copy of the government sales manual, over 70 strategy videos, more than 30 webinars, 300 documents and templates, and one of my favorite pieces is SME support. So when you run into any issue, any challenge at all, you can email me directly for help. So go check out the special offer today at federal-access.com forward slash game changers. The link is in the description below the podcast. So go check that out today, federal-access.com forward slash game changers. So you can get started for just $29 today. Now let's hop into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. Hey everybody, Mike Lejeune here with Game Changers for Government Contractors, and I have my friend Jenny Clark on here today. We're going to talk about DCAA and uh, a little bit about the good, the bad, the ugly of that, and I think we were going to call it demystifying DCAA, because in your email to me, one of the things that jumped out was you said it's a scare tactic for a lot of folks. So why don't you jump in, tell everybody a little, little bit about who you are, what you do, and then we'll just jump in and talk about this. Well, that sounds great, Michael. Thanks for having me on. I just love what you're doing with this Game Changers podcast because we're having discussions about a lot of things, providing way more information for small businesses to be able to grow. So I'm Jenny Clark with Solvability, and I've been in the defense industry since the 80s. Uh, and I learned a lot about small businesses by setting up accounting software and indirect rates specifically for federal contractors because there's a certain set of rules that they need to learn. And if they don't learn them early and apply them early, they waste a lot of time and money on it. And when you call, send me that email about DCA compliance, I was like, oh my gosh, I could talk all day <laughs> about DCAA compliance. Yeah, it, it, it's, such, it's one of the topics, right? I think what I told you was, you know, I had somebody reach out to me and just in passing, we're like, hey, you know, we're, we're interested in making sure we've got this on our checklist. And like, I, I don't even know if you need that. You know, you think you need that because to me, one of the, the worst things about being a government contractor, especially when you're new, is there's so much, much misinformation and, and bad information where everybody's like, oh, you got to do this. And then you got to do that. And then you need one of these and one of those and this certification. And when you sit 
down and actually start looking at it, you're like, no, you don't need that, or this is unnecessary, or well, that's not going to change a whole lot for you because you still got to market your business or whatever. And this is one that I think a lot of people, uh, you know, when you start talking finances, QuickBooks, uh, accounting stuff, most people's eyes just kind of roll back in their head and they just want nothing to do with it. So why don't you jump in and, and start with, you know, what maybe are, are some of the big myths about when you even need DCAA? I tell you what, let's back up. What is it and, and when do you need it? Let's start there. That is a perfect place to start. So DCAA stands for Defense Contractor Audit Agency. And basically, it's for the military Department of Defense. This is their internal audit group or their auditors, just like people hire a CPA firm to get audited financial statements or something like that. It's like a team of people that specialize in that area that go back out on the behalf of a contracting officer and check out are people doing their books correctly? And that sounds really simple. It's not. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, there's so many times you'll never get a call. You'll never hear from DCAA. And that's what kills me because you gave the exact example. People tell small businesses, you got to do these 15 things. Well, you're not a $50 million company. So no, you don't have to do that yet. I think that's probably one of the biggest things for people is, so when do I need it? Well, that's a great point. So this is Jenny's personal opinion. I'm sure there will be people that disagree with me, but here is my set rules. A company needs to be DCAA compliant, defense contract agency compliant, when they win a cost plus contract, cost reimbursable contract. What that means is they want a contract that maybe is a million dollar contract. And when they do their invoicing, there's going to be a line for direct labor. There's going to be a line for fringe Uh, benefits on direct labor. That'll be 25 to 30%. There'll be a line for overhead, which is the support of your technical workforce. That's going to depend on how much stuff you're doing. And then there's a line for GNA or general administrative, which is your corporate headquarters type of expense. Maybe that'll be 12 to 15%. So you have to have an itemized invoice. And every year, this gets me, you've got to submit to DCAA, Defense Contract Audit Agency, something called provisional billing rates. And when you hear billing rates, you think, oh, that's like the $150 an hour charge for a program manager, right? Wrong. Mm. Provisional billing rate is every year you need to be able to say, my fringe rate's going to be 25%. My overhead rate's going to be, say, 10%. My GNA is 15%. And here's where the kicker is. Small businesses win these contracts. They're jumping up and down because it's really cool because it's really cool. It puts you into the big league. But what they don't tell you are these two or three hidden things that are going to happen. One is the contracting officer may order DCAA to do something called a pre-award service survey, which means they're going to come to your office and check out your accounting system and have you document your procedures and show how it works. That sounds easy, but it's not. If you ever have a time where two auditors show up to do your pre-award, you are in giant trouble because (laughs) they're going to compete for who can mess you up the fastest and who can get the most red marks. Because I mean, that's the only thing that accounting people, and I have to say, I was at one time an internal auditor for the DuPont Corporation. My bonuses were based on how many red check marks I could turn in. Wow, that's awesome. It is awesome, but it's also scary because that is the way that DCA used to operate. Hmm. There's been a lot of changes because of all the audit requirements and how big some of these international contracts are and stuff like that. But it's like, you mean you've got a company that won a small business innovative research award, an SBIR. Their annual revenue 
is $300,000 a year. And they're going to have to pay me $5,000 to produce a special report every year. And they didn't put it in their budget because they didn't know about it. Yeah. And that was all the profit they were going to make for the year. That's why I call DCA compliance a big scare tactic. Yeah, yeah. So and- I could go on and on, but let me go back to the original question. When do you need it? Well, obviously, if you win something called a cost plus contract, that's called cost reimbursable. Sometimes it's cost plus award fee, cost plus fixed fee, cost plus incentive fee, which I've never in my career seen. And normally you're doing work under the Department of Defense, which is Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines. Mm-hmm. Those will definitely would have that. They tend to be issued in, in situations where it's hard to define the scope of work. And so the, the consequence of that is just say, well, we're just going to pay your expenses and some agreed or agreed upon percentages and stay within it. The other big group that does cost plus contracting is NASA, which basically they say, we're going to have somebody come in and run a communications operations center for five years and it's going to cost us much. We're going to do that. But NASA got so mad at DCAA that we, they said, nope, we're not even going to let you guys touch and look over our books mm, anymore nice. because we've had too much trouble. We're not getting anything done because we're always having contractors trying to respond to audit. So cost plus contracts. How many new companies do you run into that called you up and started bidding and they've actually got a cost plus contract? You got to be kind of sophisticated to get one. Yeah. I, I think a lot of the people that call us don't even understand the difference between a cost plus and at least in, in the early stage, like cost plus versus like what what's the difference between this type of contract and that type of contract? And, you know, and if somebody's buying software, it's, it's very clear. Okay. Like, like licenses, that's a very straight up, here's what it costs. But when you're doing development work or that the construction, like there's so many different things that I can see that have, here's your cost. And just to simplify it, plus the other stuff, the other costs that you're going to run into. And I, th- I think there's, it's one of those complexities that just doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of contractors because a lot of contract contractors just see, I have a contract. That's it. Right. I have a contract. They're all fairly similar. And you know, this is how we get paid, how we invoice. And well, everything needs this type of compliance. I think that's, I think that's how most people look at it. They don't look at it as, Hey, there's, there's different types of contracts where this would apply and where it wouldn't. Well, that's a good point. So you gave a great example of selling software licenses, licenses. That's basically something you're selling commercially at a set price. It's basically fixed price. You're meeting the market and they could always choose somebody cheaper. So that would be considered a fixed price contract. And DCA doesn't care about that. They got bigger, yeah. bigger fish to fry. Um, where I see it happen most of the time is in um, services companies where they are doing some kind of support work. And especially when they're replacing a lot of people that would have otherwise been government employees. Mm-hmm. The reason we went this direction to begin with is the federal contracting budget was expanding and there was a lot of people, you know, how many, how many civilians do you have working inside an agency? And what they realized is they needed the ability to surge when a new contract would issue or mm-hmm something like that. And so they have these these ways to do it. But if you have a fixed price contract, which would be like if I came to your house and said, Michael, I'm going to put a new deck on your backyard. And you said, okay, what's it going to cost? And I said, well, what kind of decking do you want? How, you know, what does it need to look at? We have a very defined scope of work and we do a handshake deal. And I say, it's going to cost you, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you it's $20,000. You're going to shake your head and say, how about 17,000? And we're going to say, good to go. Let's make it happen. Right. That's yep. a transaction, one big transaction or 
contract could be, you know, okay, $5,000 up front, something. So if you've got fixed price contracts, not going to be seeing a lot of DCAA because they don't audit that. Okay. The next time that it, the next type of one that is most common when you're providing, again, services is something called a time of material contract or a T&M. So you know how attorneys bill you by the hour? Yes. <laughs> that is what a time and material contract is. And so what's been going on in that world is that you have to identify people that can fit a labor category, yeah. you bid them, and what you've done is said, you're going to pay this person 40 bucks an hour, but you're going to bill them out to the government at usually 40 times maybe 1.6 or 1.7. And mathematically, I can't do that in my head right now, but I'm just, I'm just going to say rounded 80. Yeah. I know yeah. it's less than that. But you have a like a labor category name, a description of how many years of experience that person has to have and a billing rate and usually those billing rates change once a, once a year or something like that that's a TNM contract you know what they don't do a lot of auditing on that if it's big enough they will but a lot of times companies are subcontractors and DCA doesn't even know about them yeah so I'm um, so that's a great point there so if, if if I'm mostly a sub and I'm not doing any prime work this is something I really don't have to worry about yeah you do and you don't because here's the kicker you know how every time that you're filling out the paperwork to work with a prime you're doing mm-hmm teaming agreements mm-hmm. and everything else and they start sending these things out called reps and certs yep and how what's the shortest one you've ever seen what's the longest one you've ever seen michael oh that's a good question um you know some of the stuff could be a, a few pages and then when you get the bigger companies then it's just tens of dozens of pages right so. Absolutely. It depends on the complexity. It depends on how many lawyers they have on staff <laughs> yeah, and how risk go. averse they are. And prime contractors are so risk averse right now because there's so many things coming on that are in the way of everything they do. And they're looking to get really qualified subcontractors because right, right. a lot of subcontractors don't realize that if a subcontractor screws up, they're in big trouble, but the prime's in huge trouble too. Yeah, yeah, It'll affect their performance or past performance and everything. Yeah. Yeah. You can kind of brush the, the sub can move on and do something else, but the prime's got to stay there and fix it, right? Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, if I'm a prime contractor and I'm a subcontract administrator or a program manager there, I'm going to line 10 people up and I'm going to look at your their, all of their criteria. Can they do the work technically? Yeah. Can they answer our questions during a proposal phase? Do they seem to have checked off as many boxes as, as they can on our reps and certs? Because those are the things that say, they ask this question. Do you have a DCAA approved accounting system? Mm-hmm. And companies will say yes or no. Here's the deal. They can only say yes if DCAA has come out and done a pre-award survey type audit. Or And if they've gone through that, usually that audit letter that they'll be issued is good for three years. And here's the funny thing. All the letter says is we have found you to be adequate. Yeah. And you're going, well, <laughs> I thought it was excellent. How do I yeah. get an A? Yeah, yeah. There's no, it's pass fail. Yeah. And um, so anyway, that letter's good. But the only reason you're ever going to get that audit is because somewhere along the line, you were in a position with a contracting officer that ordered an audit. Mm. I've had companies that have won $300,000 cost plus contracts and the um, the contracting officer forgot to uh. send all that. Three years later, they get a letter from DCAA said, we'd like to see your incurred cost submission. <laughs> and they don't know what yeah. it's about. They have no yeah. idea. I don't even remember and, that contract, right? I know. Yeah. And it's like, we lost money on that. It's, some people will say, well, I don't know how you lose money 
money on a cost plus contract because theoretically you're not supposed to be able to. But in practice, as we know from our friends in construction and other places, there are so many ways to lose money on a contract you cannot imagine. Yeah, you know, that's that's one of the big things. You know, I'm going to give a a simple example. It's not a contract thing, but my my daughter uh, decided to, you know, she wanted to cricket like a lot of people for uh, for Christmas this year. So that's what we got her. And she started making uh, custom masks for people. And I was helping her with order forms last night and she I was I was reviewing her pricing and I was going over the pricing I'm like no 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 uh, you need she's like what I'm like increase it increase it you know and I'm like, you don't understand what goes into this and one mistake and you've lost money <laughs> on this and just trying to get her to understand how you've got to work that pricing because you know again one mistake is all it takes and next thing you know the whole job is in jeopardy and you're losing money and like you just can't do that and I think that's where you know this is it's it's so good that you know, for us to have a specialist in, in our system for this and you know you you're a coach with us and, and do different things with us and in anything finance related and I think it's so important again because when you're a contractor you're trying to figure out how to win business you're trying to figure out how to actually do the work you're trying to figure out all these little things and then you've got pricing and other detail stuff that just throws a wrench in it so quickly and and you know one little you know, tenth of a percentage point can make a huge difference in a lot of these situations. And so it, it, it's such a, a need for people to have these conversations and understand this stuff. So I'm going to go back to the, the questions for a minute. You know, when I look at this, I think there is, again, it's another myth out there where people think, hey, kind of like CMMC, I'm going to go get my level, my accreditation level, or even like an SDVOSB, I'm going to go get a certificate. And that's my thing where you really don't get that with this. On the front end, you get prepared. You go through a checklist to make sure you're ready. Then you may go, what seems like an eternity till you win a contract and then somebody orders an audit and then you get the audit and then you get that approval letter. I mean, that's the process, right? Not, hey, I'm going to go to this. I'm going to go beg them to audit me on the hopes that someday I'll win a contract. Yeah. So there is a great website, dcaa.mil, and you can go on there. There's even a button that says order an audit. Oh, God. Who would do but you that? know what? You 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 could click that button, but that's for a contracting officer to order yeah, an audit yeah, from yeah. DCAA. So you could do it all day long. They also have um, places on DCAA where you can get answers from somebody at DCAA. I've asked questions that there's no way I can get answers for, and they're pretty simple questions, and I can't get them to answer, and I'm speaking their language. Yeah. So just imagine somebody yeah. that's not speaking this whole financial out- language of, well, my fringe rate is uh, 35. Does that sound high? Or my overhead? Do I, what's unallowable costs? What are all these things? And the DC auditors, it says we're going to help you. Yeah. But you've got to have a team around you for everything you're doing because yeah. anything can happen with what you're talking about. What's yeah. really scary to me is they talk about this accounting software without realizing that as you grow, you've got to be able to scale your business. Michael, you always talk about first, what's your business strategy? Yeah. And this business strategy in government contracting is how are you going to scale your business? If you go out and bid a contract where you're going to hire 20 people, that's great, but you can't buy accounting systems or pay to have it built 
when you don't have the money to pray for it. Right. You got to. And what I always tell people is do not contact me and ask me to put in accounting software for you until you got revenue coming in. And that's why we created mm-hmm. GovCon Summit because I said, I cannot help you get revenue, but you know who can? RSM Federal. Yeah. Yeah. There's somebody on the team that can help you with that. And, you know, and that, that is the beauty of having a, a team like we have together of all the summit leaders and us all having different specialties and everything. And so, um, you know, it, it's the beauty of GovCon Summit, which by the way, if you're listening to this and you're not registered for GovCon Summit, I'll put a link in the description of the podcast so you can see uh, you know, all the details on that and you can go get registered for GovCon Summit. So there's my informal, formal plug uh, for uh, for GovCon Summit. You know, so back to DCAA for a minute. You know, when, when I think about this, um, I think if I'm a small business and I'm looking to be compliant because I'm probably going to win this stuff, I assume whether it's on online, uh, there's checklists that walk me through exactly what I need to, like I haven't done this for myself because, you know, we run a different type of business, but you know, there's just, there's checklists that they need to run through. And then there's coaching from folks like yourself. Uh, you, you help people go through this, right? Absolutely. And here's the two things that I tell people to do. They should go to DCAA.mil and on DCAA.mil, they should look for two things. Well, one of them is called, it's a book. They used to print it, hard copy print it, yeah. but it's called Information for Contractors. It's about 135 pages long. They just need to sit down on a weekend while they're thinking about watching the Super Bowl and instead read a whole bunch of stuff with a bunch of garbage language from accountants that they don't understand. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, I, I don't even like reading my tax returns and I'm a financial <laughs> person. Yeah. You know, but there's always something on there. It's like, ooh, what's going to happen if I check this box wrong? Are they going to get me? Yeah. How do I prove to them I didn't know that at the time? I know now. I'm very sorry. I wish it hadn't happened, but please don't, you know, exclude me from being able to win this contract. So anyway, DCAA.mil, information for contractors, and anybody can contact me. I'll give it to them. Because you've got to read through it, and and there's really a small section. There's a chapter on what you need to be to be DCAA compliant. But here's the kicker. It says in that document that you don't have to have an operational accounting system to be able to bid and win. Mm. But now there are big requests for proposals, RFPs, coming out that specifically say you must have a DCA-approved accounting system. Mm. I can't even get Get that. Right? right. If I've never had a contracting officer order an audit, I can't even get that. And so they're having people do kind of a backup plan of submitting. But if I've got a stack, just like if I had two interviews with two different people, I'm going to see who hits the hits the check boxes. And yeah. these are some big contracts that you're basically going to be excluded from being able to bid. And one of them, I think, is one called CIO-SP4, which is a big one for um, IT. And um, it's a mix of a lot of different types of things. But it's like you can't just overnight. Say I'm going to be DCA compliant and make it happen. Yeah. Um, what I tend to tell people, they've got to be spending on you know six months to a year. And the other thing is, people say, well, I'll just call my CPA and get it. Well, that's like going to your dentist for brain surgery. Yeah. Love CPAs, but they do tax management and they do financial reporting. They don't understand the lingo, right? Right. If I say anything uh, in here over and over and over again, it is about how you have to have specialists. You know, you're not going to go to the guy who wrote your will to review your government contract. You're not going to go to the bank that manages your checking account if it's a local bank and say, hey, can you help us with the funding on this government contract? They're just not going to understand it. The same with the accountant. Hey, can you help me with my pricing? Yeah, they're like, I don't know. We just do your taxes. You know, we don't understand that stuff. We don't know how to run a business, right? Um, Which is always funny when I run into 
to accountants. And there are some accounting firms that understand it because they specialize in it. There's folks like yourself, you specialize in government for this stuff. And that's why it's so important to have an expert that understands this world. I think that's just, I can't overemphasize the importance of that because I think people just waste a lot of money going to their local guy or gal and saying, hey, I'm in government contracting. I don't understand it. Can you help me? And no, they can't help you, but you're a client. So they're going to try to help you and they're going to bill you for it. And it's it's not that they're doing something wrong. It's just, you need an expert and you need them out of the gate to, to do this stuff for you. Um, so you, you mentioned a great point there. That was going to be one of my next questions about six to 12 months. And I assume, you know, if you are running uh, your your accounting system, which you can you can run QuickBooks can, can be this, it's more about the policies and procedures you put in place, not the software, right? I mean, that's, that's the biggest part of this. Well, you're right about that. And you did mention QuickBooks. And when people come to me and say, I'm using zero, is that okay? Not if you want to work with me. It's <laughs> like, I, I'm only going to use the most prevalent tools because that's what everybody's used to seeing. And there's QuickBooks desktop and QuickBooks online and QuickBooks online doesn't cut it. So, and, but if you call into it, they definitely want to sign you up. We got tons of government contractors. Well, they don't know. Um, they think a, contra- a contractor is a construction company. Mm. So anyway, but I, I'm kind of getting off track with that, but there's a definite set of procedures and policies that you have to put in place and you have to have somebody on your staff that's going to know that. Yeah. And the whole reason we created GovCon Summit, the GovCon community is because I can tell people that all day long, but they need to hear it from other executives yeah. that have been there and done that. that so what, that's the whole reason we created GovCon Summit so that when you make a point, you can say, you know, who you need to go talk to, yeah. go have a conversation with Bill. And I'm going to do the same thing because I want them to hear from other people who've been down that, you know, so many of the people that are part of our community are veterans. They are all about when they're getting ready to go train, they have a manual, they have briefings, yeah. they have classes, they have testing, they have prep, they have post-operation, they have rankings and ratings. And that's what we are doing with GovCon Summit is saying, we want to bring the best in practice for small business because I just see small businesses getting to the point where they've won one or two contracts. And I think you called it plateau. Yeah. Yep. I call it bomb out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and they put in their, they put in their retirement. They put time off. They did all kinds of stuff. They've invested everything in this. And it's a big lift to be an entrepreneur to begin with. Yeah. But yeah, I worry absolutely. about if they spend too much time, too much time and energy on getting DCA compliant, where's their money for recruiting? Where's their money for business development? Right. And how is the owner paying themselves? Because I've seen a bunch of those where I look at what the guy's paying himself. I'm like, how do you eat? Well, we're <laughs> going to make that up later. You Not don't make well. it up later. Well. Yeah. We're yeah. going to eat when we sell this thing. That That's one of those things I, I often hear. And, you know, the, yeah, I, I think you put it in perspective really well for folks because I, again, we're demystifying this because in a way it's, it's not complicated. It's tedious right? It's not complicated. It's just about going through the motions and, and getting the stuff done. And, you know, what? one of the things we're always talking about is your strategy, you know, your strategy and thinking down the road. And sometimes, you know, it makes sense to go and look at a small contract award so that you can get your cost plus contract. You can get that audit kicked off. You can take all the hard work you've done and get that letter. So now you're positioned for the big contract. Like you were saying, the ones that are going to start coming out more and more that say, hey, we want that letter in hand. We don't want you to have to get an audit and get your first letter. Like we want the letter in hand. And so strategically, can you find a smaller contract that's with the right client, right? Because if you're outside that DOD space, you're probably not going to get the audit, right? So you need 
the the client you need the type of contract you need something small you can go win probably with a little competition and strategically win that not because hey i'm going to make a fortune but because i want to go get that letter because i've done the hard work is it would that be a strategy you would say is, is pretty sound in in making that if i was going to do that i yeah i would say go get a small contract but the, i think it all comes back to business strategy yeah. there are a lot of people that would be better off not doing cost plus work because the investment in getting those systems set mm, up to run it long-term investment and by that i mean i have companies that can be on quickbooks with some assistance and maybe um they'll be okay for up to 20 or 30 employees but after that if they're not getting off QuickBooks, I almost can't get them off of it. Yeah. It's kind of like we built this great house, but we can't expand it anymore. Or I call right, it right. trying to put a rocket on a Volkswagen. Yeah. There you and go. so, and then they'll say, well, Jenny, what's it going to cost? And then it go to the, to the next level. I'm like, okay, you're 20 employees now. By the time we can get a new system in, you'll be 40 employees. You're going to spend a hundred thousand dollars. And they're like, for accounting software, I could use QuickBooks for a thousand dollars. I said, if you want to play the big time, you better, you better have a coach and you better be out there yeah. practicing every day because you don't get up and just hit a home run from the beginning. You've got to have a strategy. You got to know you're dead serious about it. So yeah. I've seen great success from people that come out of larger organizations and start a government contracting business because they understand the business. They have the agency relationships and everything else, but they sure don't want to get stuck yeah. in a meeting where somebody says, are you DCA compliant? They look like a deer in the headlights, you yeah, know? Like, uh, what is that? Yeah, I don't. So I've, I've got two final questions for you. The first one is if I am looking to grow and I want to be, you know, let's say I'm a million or two right now in, in annual revenue and I want to hit that 10 year mark or 10 million mark. And But I have aspirations. You know what? Someday we might be a hundred million dollar company. But right now we're one or two million. You know, my, my big milestone is that 10 million mark. And then to keep growing, if you could walk into the company and, and pick the software, I know this is a dangerous question. Question here, but if you could walk in the company and pick the software, what are we'll, we'll make it easy for you? What are the one to three software options where you would say, "Hey, any one of these three, and I think you're you're going to be built to grow." Uh, that's an excellent question, and there's probably five if we went through it. But um, the gold standard has always been Dell Tech, and their products called CostPoint. Um, there's another very strong product called Uninet that's very project management oriented and definitely designed around the project management side, and that to me is very important because if the engineer or the project manager doesn't yep, have yep. what he or she needs, um, we're just sitting around counting beans. You know, we're not doing yep. anything productive. So Uninet and there's also one called Jameis. There's one called, I think it's GovCon 360 that used to be, a, it's a Microsoft yeah. platform. And you have to take into account not just what you're trying to do now, but what you've got to integrate with. Yeah. And this didn't used to matter as much as it did, but you know, you've got, you've got timesheet software, you've got payroll and onboarding. And so that's part of the reason why we also created GovCon Summit around some groups that help us put together because I've got a solution that I can take somebody from cradle to grave and I can even get a tax yeah. credit for hiring veterans. Yeah. And, so and they'll so, have to call me for that or come to GovCon. Yeah. Th those are some, some good options. Where do you rank like... QuickBooks, SAP, do, do those come into the mix as well? Um, SAP's consultants make $600 an hour. So that's going to be for really large companies. Big companies, yeah. Yeah, yeah and that, and by large companies, I would mean a company of $40 million and above. Yeah, okay. Um, and companies do take stra strategic directions, but not at $40 million. They should be probably yeah. on the standards because these systems are meant to flip to go up to very large companies. I mean, there's some very, you know, units of SAIC run these and, you know, units of very large 
large company. So what's the cap the, on the QuickBooks platform? The cap on the QuickBooks, there are a lot of these things that are called add-ons yeah. where you can buy an interface program that'll do different things and they can stay on it for a while. To me, the key is if they're doing cost plus contracting, they really need to evaluate where they're going to be because cost plus contracts tend to be three to five years and yep. they tend to be what's called incrementally funded. So there's a lot yep. of extra. They usually yep. have subcontractors and they usually have pretty advanced reporting. And so yep. companies tend to be, they're either in that path or they're not in that path. Yep. And I would even recommend for a small business to wait till they get pretty good traction before they go after cost plus. Yeah. So what, what, what would you consider getting. is pretty good traction? Pretty good traction would be at least five million before they start million. going after it because you've got to be a at a point where you know how to win. You understand yep. pricing. You got your boilerplates, your templates, your yeah. models, yeah. and you've got some relationships. What has been going on is in certain programs, like you can get set asides for service disabled veteran owned small business. But more commonly, they're set asides for 8A yeah. because those are easy to be awarded. And companies like that can be $10 million now or 10 people today and hurt people overnight. Yeah. And those are really the ones that I like helping with, with the most. But the only way they trust me is if I started talking to them early. Yeah. And we've got some great common clients like that, as yeah. you know. No, that makes that makes perfect sense. And, you know, the, the whole reason, if you're an audience member listening to this today, the whole reason I keep bringing up QuickBooks on this is not that I'm a huge fan of QuickBooks. Uh, it's just because I know how many of you are running it and so i i know there's a lot of people going oh crap i'm on i'm on quickbooks <laughs> and they're saying and that's not going to cut it and and that's not exactly what jenny is saying here she was like you know when you hit that five million mark it's time to really evaluate you know what what you're running and how you're doing it and you know if it makes sense to have a different system there's also you know i deal with a lot of people that you know they're never going to be beyond one or two million dollars three million dollars maybe five million dollars on a really really good year because they're not necessarily necessarily on a trajectory of, hey, I want to build this thing and sell it, or I'm not trying to build a hundred million dollar contract, you know, company. Uh, and, you know, and that's okay. You know, so if you're, if you're planning on staying smaller, then, you know, a system like that might be perfect for you. Who knows? Uh, but, uh, you know, I just, I wanted to, to hash out as much as I could about QuickBooks because I definitely know it's, it's a super popular platform. A lot of people are on it, uh, you know, and so I definitely wanted to hammer some of that. So any final thoughts for people that, are you know they this is on their radar and they they have either questions or concerns i don't know if there's any final thoughts that we might have missed today well the final thought i would have is if they're doing work for a civilian agency like faa mm-hmm. not going to be audited you know it's like and, and i think there are companies that need to take a really hard look at what agencies they want to go after where they want to offer services and what they want to do because you can choose to avoid cost plus contracting not a bad decision you just have to be conscious about your choices. You've got to find out at the agencies that you intend to serve, what contract vehicle styles they use. And that's where having some market intelligence really makes a difference. The other thing is that we want to be very specific about when you have to be DCA audited. But the other part of it is DCA auditing is a good thing or the compliance is a good thing because if you're bidding wrong, you don't know it. Yeah. And I've had a lot of people and their first question is, am I bidding too high or too low? Am I leaving money on the table? Yeah. Or, if, or am I, or am I um, um, am I like losing money every time? And I can answer that on a telephone call. Yeah. So, um, you know, 
it, it's a lot about strategy, but I think that I'm so excited about having put together GovCon Summit because a lot of what we're talking about was in my my chapter in the book, Game Changers, last year. And um, in the version that I've got coming out, with the, I've got my three chapters. One of them's on wrap rates, one of them's on indirect, and I'm pretty sure one of them's about DCA compliance. So I think we've really lined this up so that we're bringing in thought leadership for small businesses. We're giving them the book, and if they want a deep drive, dive, we definitely want them to be a part of the community yeah. and be at the summit. Yeah, those are, those are really great chapters, and I think that's really going to help people not only understand it, but it's just in very, very simple terms on this stuff. And I know when some people read it, if they're not into the pricing stuff yet in their business, your eyes are just going to roll back. You're like, I don't really understand why I need to know this, what's going on. But the moment you get into really digging into your pricing, you're going to come back to these chapters and go, ah, this makes sense. Or if you're, if you've already done some pricing stuff, you're going to look at it and go, yeah, we missed that or didn't understand this or that. Again, I can't stress how important your pricing is to everything you do and how you do it. It's literally how you're going to turn out profit or turn into a loss. You know, that's it's a huge part of the strategy. So thanks for coming on and talking about this today, Jenny. I know this was last minute. I think we put this together in, in less than 24 hours. So that was, that was kind of good hopping on here and knocking this out. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm really glad to be on and I just love having these conversations. I could have them all day long. And that's part of the reason we put GovCon Summit together because we're collecting everything we've got and saying, what can we do to help this community be successful? Because when a small business grows from 5 million to 20 million, that's probably probably 200 families that are being helped yeah. by that entrepreneur taking the risk. And we want them to take it so they also get their personal gain out of it for the effort, the energy yeah. they're putting in. Yeah, absolutely. Very well put. Very well put. So thank you again. And I look forward to having you on next time. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash game changers.